What is up all? Hello, this is Josh Lewis for 7th Inning Stretch. I will be joined by Edwards at some point, uh, and we might retroactively go back to our 7th Inning Stretch uh, sounder that he loves to do. Uh, but for now, it's me and the 4A guys. Uh, I got uh, Brad, Tom, and Stevs here from the 4A podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast. You guys do a great job going deeper into statistics that's that i love that not everybody like would think of <laughs> so that's something that i appreciate about your, your guys' show um but welcome gentlemen to seventh inning stretch hello we're glad to be back we've been excited you know opening day was yesterday i think i spent nine hours or so of my day just watching baseball it is the perfect way to spend a thursday afternoon man yeah, I, it was it was really good how are you doing tom I just pushed everything to the side. You know, I'm a full-time college student, but I really just watched baseball all day yesterday, yes. literally from the first game to the last game, you know, with my Giants leading off. That's awesome. I did the same thing. Like, we basically were like, because I'm a Giants guy too, so we were just like, nope, we're starting right at 10. Let's go. Oh, 10 my time. But, uh, Stevs, how you doing, my man? I was happy. Happy to watch the Nationals for about uh, 10 pitches until he gave up a hit to Acuna, and then everything <laughs> went downhill from there. But, I mean, I, I, I – watched i watched the nats i watched uh the mariners the dodgers i watched baseball all day yesterday and there's nothing better than that man it was such a good day like it was everything i could have hoped for for an opening day other than the giants getting absolutely smoked by garrett cole um which is understandable he pretty much smokes everybody so i i don't feel too bad but uh, let's get into opening day a little bit. Like we're, we'll kind of bounce around. Let's, let's start with one just completely out of the blue. Like what's your Tom, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a pl play from your playbook here. What is, we'll kind of go around the horn. What is kind of your first just gross overreaction from opening day? Obviously like 162 games, right? But what is kind of your just, I am completely overreacting on this for, no reason other than it's opening day and it's fun. So we'll just go around the horn. Brad, you start us. I, I have two of them. The Astros look like crap. <laughs> um, and I'm, I really hope that is true. I hope they miss the playoffs. I think it'd just be a fun, like, it'd be a fun change of events, you know, like change it up a little bit in the West that maybe opens the opportunity for a new team. But well, obviously would if they missed the playoffs. Um, and then the Orioles are a playoff contender. Hmm. I don't think that's too much of an overreaction on that. Yeah. One. But, but I do like it. I, I I like that. I, I did pick them to make the playoffs, but uh, we'll see how that kind of works out how, how far they uh, mature. But Tom, what do you think? What's, what's a gross overreaction that, that you have? I, I have one that I want to talk about. This might be an overreaction, but I, I really do think that this twins pitching rotation and staff is the real deal. I think they are going to be a top five yeah. in baseball. They, they absolutely dominated the Royals yesterday. Not even close. I mean, you got Pablo Lopez, Jorge Lopez, Caleb Tharibar, and Joan Duran. I mean, it was just it, it, across the board dominance. Um, and if they can keep that up for a whole season, obviously it's an overreaction first game, but that's, that's a very good way to start the season. Yeah, I'm, the the Twins worry me, man. Like they, I did not pick them to make the playoffs, but they that would be an overreaction for me. Like I just they they were solid. I mean, both Lopez's are solid. Like I I think it could be a good rotation. Yeah, I think top five. It's a little bit over overreaching, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it it was against the Royals. Uh, but we we had somebody jumping in the comments there. But it's the Royals. Yeah. Um. Which is true, but um, 
I do want to say, like, on uh, on Brad's take, I'll, I'll go back. So I got a chance to see uh, the White Sox in spring training, and I watched uh, Dylan Cease. I talked a little bit about this in, in our last episode, but I'll talk about it with you guys. I got a chance to see Dylan Cease up close. We were sitting right by the bullpen, and so before the game, uh, watching him warm up. He's my pick for Cy Young this year for the, the American League. Um, but there's there's part of me, I don't know if you guys do this, as a, as a former ball player, like I, there's always a little part of me that's like, could I could I handle this kind of thing? Like, And so I'm standing there kind of doing my, like that little side shuffle, right? Of like, you're going to see, can you time his stuff? Can you get it? And watching it, there's no freaking way I would ever touch Dylan Z's. Like that just absolutely ridiculous um and he showed it against against the astros like they there was this new uh umpire cam right that uh some of the movement like they showed his uh breaking balls and one of his uh fastballs back to back on the umpire cam and i'm just like how does anybody hit that like there's just it's ridiculous hitting a ball is hard um and it was just crazy so uh, Stevs, what about you? What's a uh, gross overreaction for you this this opening so, day? I kind of want to go back to Brad's Orioles take because, like, yeah, they looked the offense looked incredible, but the bullpen kind of blew it towards the end. Like, you had a you had what? What was the how, how many runs were they up before they? Uh, they're this, five nothing. They yeah they were up they blew they gave up three in the eighth and two in the ninth. So they that that's very very concerning for me so i mean that's kind of i don't know if that's a gross overreaction but like the bullpen's going to be very 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 uh shaky and uh i mean obviously you got to say adley's probably a top three uh mvp candidate based on his performance yesterday uh, i like that man adley's a stud man like yeah. i he's playing a, a a premier position in catcher um just that's that's one of edwards's favorite uh favorite positions and so uh he talked a lot about adley in our in our last episode and him just being in that position like it's hard to win mvp as a catcher like not not that it hasn't been done before obviously but like it's hard to play that specific position and win an mvp just because of the toll it takes i guess you could call it um but I like I, I like that a lot. I think that that could be uh, a really interesting pick for MVP. I do, uh, I do see that happening. I've got Jose Ramirez as my MVP pick for for the American League. I think he finally gets out of that kind of underratedness, so to speak, uh, shadow that he's got. Um, but uh, Adley Rushman would just be fun. I mean, the Orioles are fun to watch. They're young. They're talented. Like I would. I totally root for him, but, um, all right. So opening day, we got the first, uh, or I guess I didn't do mine. Mine was the gross, uh, overreaction was, uh, that the, uh, giants will finish fourth in the West with their showing yesterday. Uh, but I don't think anybody's going to be out the Rockies for last place in that division, but, uh, the, it was definitely a, uh, a giants, bad day like they struck out what like 16 times um and it was so much of it was strikeouts looking and it was just infuriating to to watch because there were just so many strikeouts looking and i'm just like man this is this is bad but 
Um, all right. So opening day, we get our first look at the new rules, not in spring training. So what, what were kind of your guys's, uh, first reactions to some of the new rules in play? Uh, we'll go kind of back around the other way. If Stevs, if you want to kind of lead us off there. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved the, uh, I mean, I, I, I love the new rules. It's going to just bring up pace of play, right? Like it was what the average game was about three hours and like 10 minutes last year uh, on opening day. And it was two hours and 45 minutes this year. So um, it, it just that by itself. And then, and then you look at like what it's doing within the game and you see the stolen bases numbers are already up. Right. So yeah. I think, I think and stolen bases are an art that had been lost for the last, what felt like a last decade and now i'm hopeful that it's coming back because i love seeing guys go and steal bases that is literally one of my favorite parts of the game and so to see it come back is has been a lot of fun um tom what about you what what were some of what stuck out to you kind of with the with the new rules going i mean even watching the first game um volpe stole a base too i mean there was so many extra stolen bases today I, i mean even in one day, I was counting them up on my phone. There was like 20 stolen bases yesterday. I, I've never seen so many stolen bases. There was three multiple stolen base games yesterday, which is not common anymore. I, I like it. I think it's going to change the strategy behind the game, and I think those odds are going to, you know, kind of shift, and people are going to realize, you know, with the sabermetric takeover that maybe stealing bases is worth it again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like – create havoc on the base pads, right? You're distracting the pitchers. You throw them off their game. I mean, there's so many different elements of it. Um, Brad, what do you, what do you think? Any, any rules that jumped out at you? Well, I know Tom, you didn't really get to experience this because your giants played at one o'clock, but being (laughs) a West coast Dodgers fan, like they play at 10 o'clock half the season. And I got to watch six innings of that before it hit midnight. That's not normal. Like normally yeah. we're in the third or fourth inning and I'd be like, you know what? I got to, I got to head to bed. You know, I got stuff in the morning, but now I can probably watch a majority of Dodger games and not miss too much of the action unless something happens late game. Yeah. I, I, it was weird. Like I was watching the, the giants game. I'm glad that they, I am glad that most stations that I saw anyways, uh, do not have the clock on the screen um i did watch a couple of games where they do it's got like a little countdown inside the base pads or whatever but uh so i did see that on a couple of games but i did they didn't have that on the giants game uh, at least the feed that i was watching and it was like you, you didn't notice like it, it wasn't something that you were like oh like you're you're constantly like counting down from 20 or counting down from 15 or whatever and or having anxiety if your pitcher is going to get the pitch away in time. And so it, I just, all of a sudden I looked up at the end of the giants game and it was like, Oh, that was only two and a half hours. Awesome. Like I can move on to the, to the next thing, move on to the next game, whatever catch the end of other games. Um, so the, the pitch clock itself was fantastic. Um, Stevs, I loved what you said about the, um, uh the stolen bases um same thing with uh again the giants game leading off the day um is just the one that i watched every inning of everything else i had to kind of pick and choose but uh they had like you said they had two stolen bases in the first inning i mean one for the giants one for the for the uh um yankees and so uh or first first three innings there were two stolen bases sorry uh 
But it was just one of those things where, I mean, you saw it in one game, Ronald Acuna got like super excited and actually stumbled because he was <laughs> so excited because he knew he could steal a base because of the pickoff rules. Um, and so I think that that has a factor in it that isn't, um, isn't being talked about as much as like the pitch clock is the fact that you have these limited, um, the, the limited, uh, pickoff attempts right and limited uh ways to call timeout or whatever the case may be um for the batter it's just it's super interesting and yeah they they had uh i believe it was 21 stolen bases you're uh i think it was devs that was trying to pull the number uh it was yeah 21 stolen bases i think it was only like two that got caught stealing if i remember correctly and hey there's edwards yes. what's up my man dude <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, when I got on StreamYard, it said ten o'clock. <laughs> oh, weird. It's yeah. So it was it was ten Eastern. So it threw me off too. It was giving me the wrong time too. It was giving me eight o'clock my time, but I'm in Arizona, so it's weird. So I knew to adjust because I'm on the same as Pacific. But super. So, weird. gentlemen, my apologies for just now dropping in. You're good. I just I fell off. Uh, I think, yeah, and I think, Brad, you said I was buffering at one point, so I apologize if that came through on the feed. No, but... I think that was me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, so let's hit the reset button for a second. Uh, Edwards, we're jumping into kind of our, our first reactions to some of the new rules. So I'd love to get your take because you're a little bit uh, more old school than I am. Um, and so watching your games yesterday as you were going through opening day, I know you were uh, probably watching your Cardinals. Uh, how did you feel about uh, the new rules uh, and and kind of how that all went down yesterday. So I start grinning as soon as you ask me this because our game was a 10-9 game, and it took almost four hours anyways, so there was no time differential <laughs> for our <laughs> opening game. Um, so I thought that was the most ironic and funniest part about it. Um, the game, though, in general, I, I didn't – I didn't notice anything glaring that, that threw me off. Uh, we had one uh, pitcher violation in the whole game. Uh, came out of nowhere. It almost thought the, the way the ump popped up so quickly, you thought he was calling a bulk um, that mm -hmm. I missed, and it was a clock violation. So uh, that was the only thing I really saw out of the new rules. I mean, other than that, I mean, the game seemed fairly normal. I don't mind the shift right now as much as I hate. Uh, happening to ban it because I think it's going to be better quality baseball, at least more exciting baseball. Uh, we're going to see a little bit more athleticism from the middle infielders. So we're going to see who's actually really, really good and who's not as good as we thought. Uh, so I'm, I'm for it on a couple of sides, but I'm, these guys make a lot of money. They should be able to hit against the shift. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I was at after just yesterday's game or games yeah. that I watched. I, I like it. We we kind of went through and um, I think it was uh, was it Brad that said it. He's he's with you on the Adley Rushman uh, train uh, with your with your Adley Rushman MVP uh, pick. We did uh, we did hey, gross overreactions from from yesterday. So do you have anything that as you were going through kind of the day that you're just like what like not necessarily a hot take because I don't like that term, but <laughs> what was, what was a, what was just kind of a gross overreaction you had? Like uh, just this team's going to win a hundred games or this guy's going to win MVP or just, it, it could be anything. Um, Milwaukee getting beat up by the Cubs. I mean, that was kind of like, Oh, 
shoot, Corbin Burns just got beat by the Cubs. I said they were going to be sneaky first game of the season. Are they going to be that sneaky that they can hit really good pitching? You were pretty high on the Cubs, though, to be honest. Like you, you've been a little bit high, higher on the Cubs. Like guys from Four A. Trying like, to be how different. Do you, how do you feel? Because I, I missed your episode where you did the the individual teams for uh, the the NL Central. So, like, how are you guys feeling about the Cubs? Um, I, I would like to start just by saying I was definitely the lowest on the Cubs. I didn't like their offseason at all. I really think they went out and just got a bunch of washed players and hoped that something would click. And there is a chance that everything does click and that they, you know, go on this crazy run. But you got guys like Bellinger, Mancini, all like Hosmer even, that are all looking for bounce backs this year. And if if they really can't get anything going, the pitching looked fantastic. But the bats, I'm worried about the bats in this lineup getting it going. Uh, I'm on the exact opposite side of Tom. I really like their offseason. He... So we called it we, – we, we, when we talk about, like, this type of rebuild, we say kind of it's like a reverse rebuild. Like, they try and, like, go out, buy players, and then kind of let the young talent develop around them, yeah. um, which in this case, it doesn't work as well. Like, I think the Rangers are doing a slightly better job at the reverse rebuild because they're actually getting big-name players and locking them down for multiple years. Sure. But they went out and got these kind of uh, fringe players that have, have the ability to uh, have those bounce-back years, especially in a – lineup where they're going to get everyday playing time. Um, Bellinger didn't look uh, incredible at yesterday, but I mean, outside of that, everyone top to bottom looked like they, it looked like they were having fun out there. And, and Dansby Swanson was definitely a very, very, very good driving factor behind that. I, I was love watching Dansby, Dansby Swanson play. Go ahead, Brad. Oh, uh, Tom had them at 77 wins. Stevs had them at 79. I was right in between them at 78. So we all kind of have okay. them in that right below 500 range. Um, the thing I'm just really not high on at all is the starting pitching. I think their younger talent surpasses Marcus Stroman and Jamison Tyone. Obviously, Stroman looked really good yesterday. It's just we haven't seen it be sustained for like a quality of pitching for a very long time. I think it was 2021. He had a sub-3 ERA, but just everything surrounding that supported that he was not that good. Sure. Uh, but I like Justin Steele. We've talked about Hayden Wisniewski. I think that might be the strong point of this team, which is actually surprising considering how low we were on their starting pitching. So it kind of sidebar, I was just going through kind of the, the, the scores from yesterday and kind of going through my, my mental recollection of, of yesterday, like one of, uh, one of my gross overreactions I'll say is um, we'll set some records for scoring this year, uh, whether it's individual teams, whether it's as a league, um, whether it's divisions, whatever. Um, cause man, there was a lot of scoring yesterday. I don't know how much the new rules played into that necessarily, other than some of the, the stolen base factors and whatnot, but man, there were some high scoring games. I mean, the Orioles Red Sox game was insane. Um, that, that one ended 10, nine. I mean, like Josh mentioned, we had the blue Jays Cardinals 10, nine, you had the Rangers Phillies was ridiculous. I mean, who had uh, Jacob deGrom not pitching well um, <laughs> on, on their opening day bingo card. But um, I mean, that one was 11, seven. I mean, you had, uh, what were some other ones? The Rockies freaking scored seven runs. Um, just a weird day. The Dodgers, not surprising. Shout out to you, Brad. They, they scored eight, eight runs, but um, I think that they uh, are not going to have a letdown at all this year. I, that is something that I will come back to you for uh, Brad here in a minute, but um, 
that's kind of my overreaction. Like I, I, I saw a lot of runs being scored and I'm like, well, damn, I don't know how, like how much the new rules are playing into this, but like, what do you guys think it's the, it's the new rules? Do we think it's just the faster pace? Like it, it seems like we're coming out of the gates hot. Um, I mean, there was a lot of home runs yesterday. So, I mean, home runs are not going to be like, you know, changed by, you know, stolen bases and, and they might, but For you sure. know, a lot of home runs aren't really impacted by the rule changes. I think it's just the batters, you know, significantly improving. So that's what do you think? I mean, so I think Stroman was the, he was the first one that got a violation against him and he kind of talked about it. Like as a pitcher, uh, you, when you have runners on base, right, you're worried about the runner, you're worried about your pitch grip, you're worried about the pitch clock, you're worried about the batter. So you have all these things kind of compacting onto each other. So it's definitely tough for the pitchers. And I think, I think as time will go, everyone will kind of get used to it because you even saw in the Red Sox game, Devers kind of got a little lackadaisical and kind of was adjusting his batting gloves, and then he got strike three called against him on a pitch clock violation. So I think over time we'll definitely see all the players kind of adjust to it, but I think off-rip we'll probably have kind of more of these higher-scoring games. Brad, what do you think? If you look just at yesterday, again, very small sample size, it's the highest BABIP on an opening day uh, in ever. It was almost 40 points higher than last year's opening day BABIP. Uh, we that have a little thing awesome. we retweeted on Twitter. But that's that's a testament to the offense, right? You're, if you hit a soft ground ball at the shortstop, it doesn't matter if the shift is there or not. It's going to be an out. But if you're hitting these hard-hit line drives into right field, Actually, that didn't make a difference yesterday, so, which is <laughs> which was shocking. Um, but you hit those line drives over and over again throughout the season. Those are going to be hits again. You get soft flares into left field. Those are going to be hits again. It just with the shift gone, the ball is going to land where you'd expect it to land. I, I did see a little bit more of that. What you're talking about? For, first of all, Babip is like my new favorite statistic i freaking love that statistic um for for those that don't know it's batting averages on balls in play is is what that stands for uh but it's a phenomenal stat like it just gives you a great glimpse of okay balls that are actually put in play like what are the chances a guy gets on base um so but i did notice that i actually made a comment to my wife about it like i did feel like there were a lot of those hits into that kind of Bermuda triangle area, right. Of like that. Nobody can quite get to the, the infielders are running back hard. Outfielders are coming in hard and it just kind of lands in between them. Um, I did notice that a lot more often than, um, than kind of Tom, what you said that there were still a lot of home runs and whatnot, but I did notice that there were a, a lot of those kind of flare hits that probably wouldn't have gotten down, uh, otherwise, Josh, did you kind of notice the same thing? You're shaking your head there. Oh my god! Um, <clears throat> the only reason that game ended up being the way it was yesterday was Toronto had eight bloopers that <laughs> fell right past uh, the man covering the ball. I mean, it was it was horrible. And then you know, Tyler O'Neill, who's fast, is playing back deep in center, and he just can't get there in time. So. That's why the pitch count for Michaelis got so high so fast. Was the game – was the pitching really that bad? No. There were just a bunch of little blooper hits. I mean, the Cardinals had three or four, too. Milwaukee had eight and six in, like, the first two innings. Yeah. I mean, so that was the only thing that I thought was odd for an opening day. Like, that was the one thing that I was just like, that's an awful lot of those for one game. Uh, 
But I don't know. I think that's why that score got out of hand. And again, that's got nothing to do with the rules, but that was just the one odd thing I noticed yesterday because when I was watching, flipping through other games, I saw it in other games as well. And I was like, that's just weird. So I don't know if maybe they changed the balls again and didn't tell anybody. (laughs) didn't didn't rub it up didn't rub them up uh well enough or something i don't know man Uh, it was just odd i don't know garrett cole seemed to have his grip yesterday sorry to keep sorry to keep harping on the yankees but uh they he he seemed to be okay with his uh grip this year so um but that game was super just super interesting to me not even as a giants guy like that game was just super interesting to me cuz both pitchers set strikeout records for their teams and it was just like Logan Webb didn't pitch bad he just made a couple of mistakes and got shelled for him um but just so many strikeouts in that game it was ridiculous all right so watching opening day was there any thoughts as you guys were watching where you're just like because I had a couple moments myself where like you, you watch baseball for as long as we all have. And there's always something that bothers you about the game. Like I wish they would change X, whatever it is. Uh, and so there's, there's always something that can be tweaked with the game. Uh, and was there anything you noticed during opening day, whether it was like you wanted to remove a rule, you wanted to institute a new rule, or there was just something that was irking you about all the games where you're just like, damn it, I want this to change. Was there anything that like over on the overreaction side where you guys are like, this needs to change or this is bugging me or whatever the case may be with, with opening day yesterday. I think the Uh, only answer you got though. I I mean, the only answer could be like, I, I, I could maybe argue that on two strike counts, the batter gets a little bit more time as you know, we saw yesterday, Mm -hmm. Raphael Devers wanted a minute to think. But that is what their granted one timeout should be used for. I mean, you saw batters yesterday using their one granted timeout when they had a high stakes scenario, usually a two strike count. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jock Peterson did it twice. In, yeah. In the Giants game. So I feel like I feel like that rule itself should you know kind of override the fact that you should have extra time in a two strike count because you can really just use a timeout. Then, I, other than that, I really do think all the rules looked very nice yesterday. There was nothing else I could really change about it. I, I liked it. Brad, what did you have to say? I think this is more of not a rule, but it's going to be a constant throughout baseball. Like the umpire show, that whole thing. If you were <laughs> that Cardinals game, the slider from Adam Simber, that was about four balls off the plate called for a strike. Um, just the, the umpire in the giants game is just added to the entire game. He's, oh, he, dude. he scored a 90% accuracy on his called strikes. Um, Last not, Diaz not is awful. Not yeah, not Angel yeah. Hernandez level, but he's terrible. Yeah, like I think I I like the personability of having umpires, but I feel like the next big wave of rule changes is the automatic strike zone. Yeah, uh, which I know Edwards, you're not a fan of. So what what did you see yesterday? What what would you throw out that was that, if anything that was step kind of staring you in the face that you're just like, man, I don't like this. Oh, it pains me to say it, but he's right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, the, the umpiring yesterday was bad. Um, I still, again, I'm against the whole automatic strike zone thing. Uh, yeah, that's too much change for me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm adapting to the, the, the pitch clock and the the bit shift or the band shift which i'm for just to see how it works and the bigger bases you know i'm I'm trying to deal with that but 
give me a little digital box and the pitcher's got to hit. It just doesn't seem as much fun. But there should be a relegation system for these umpires, but the union's too damn strong to do anything about it, oh, where dude. they have to score a certain percentage over the course of the month, and if they don't, then they're back down in the minors or whatever. But there needs to be some competition for these umpires. They're way too protected by their union. For for sure. I, I 100% agree. Stabs, I'll get to you in a minute. I just wanted to comment on uh, the the umpires. There's one thing that the, that... I see so many umpires do that. I'm just like, this should be banned outlawed slap them on the hand. I don't care how you get them to stop doing it, but the whole hand on the back of the catcher thing drives me crazy. Like, I'm just like, don't touch him. <laughs> like leave the catcher alone. Like if you can't crouch back there under your own volition, like you, then you shouldn't be an umpire. Like then you don't have the physical chops to be an umpire. Uh, behind the plate anyway. And so that, that just bothers me that I, that could be some of my OCD coming in uh, where uh, when I played catcher, I didn't like people touching me, but uh, the, <laughs> I just like leave the damn catchers alone. They got enough to do and enough to deal with. Like, don't touch them. Just, just stay out of it. But Stevs, any, any rules or anything like that that jumped out at you that you're like, man, I wish this would change. So, so initially I was kind of against the, the two, two pickoffs. Um, and then you have a third to kind of risk it or, or, or you balk. Um, but like after kind of watching it, um, I'm still not the biggest fan of it, but, um, I think maybe like, I don't, I don't know how you would tweak it at all though. So, I mean, that would be the only thing. The other thing would be kind of back to the umpires, um, would be, kind of if if there's like a pitch up and in right he has like he still has like eight seconds to get back into the box so like maybe like the umpire can have like a little like caveat to it like if there is something like that the umpire can kind of give him an extra second like like an umpire's timeout kind of type scenario or something like that yeah i i like that a lot i mean you see umpires doing it for the catchers occasionally, right? Well, they'll, they'll come around, they'll dust off the plate or whatever. The, the catcher takes a foul ball off his shoulder or something. Um, the, and same thing with the umpire, like the umpire gets clocked or whatever. The, the catcher walks out to the mound or takes his time. So, yeah, I do think that those kind of nuances of the game definitely need to be taken into account. Um, I like what you said, like a ball up and in uh, where a guy definitely has to <laughs> take a breath <laughs> after getting a, a hundred miles an hour thrown at his face. Um, that's, that's something that I could see there being, um, yeah, maybe some nuance to, or maybe some training with umpires to, to kind of do, uh, do that. Um, I love the out of your Falcon mind guys. They're, uh, in, in Atlanta, normally a Falcons show, but, uh, they're big Braves fans as well. Uh, so, uh, shout out to you guys. Didn't like it initially find myself paying more attention due to the pace. So I actually think it'll be good for the game overall. That's an excellent point of like you, it does kind of have that old school feel of like, you don't want to leave your seat. Like you want to stay and see the whole game. And that, that was a lot of fun for me. That was a lot. That was really hard for me. I've got six kids. So it was crazy in my house watching all these games, but I didn't want to leave my seat. Like I'm like, my my fatherhood took a toll yesterday we'll put it that way uh <laughs> i i wanted like you didn't want to miss anything like it was so great you wanted to stay engaged the whole time um what do you guys think on on kind of what they're saying uh with kind of staying engaged with the game i didn't i didn't struggle staying engaged yesterday i was yeah. watching for about eight hours straight yeah I didn't, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah 
you know, some of us have to go to work and, and you know, make money. So I, I couldn't just sit around and watch baseball all day, but I got to pull it up on this computer screen here and there and see what was going on. Um, so I'm a little jealous of you guys. <laughs> I think I heard your story on your Monday episode about like at your office, a lot of people are Cardinals fans. So you'd be able to hear the game around the office. Yeah. Did that end up happening? So you had one guy in the back of the office. So we all have dual screens because we're all drawn roofs. Um, but the guy in the back of the office has a sound system hooked up to his computer. <laughs> nice. so, so all of a sudden I hear the opening festivities and then um, I'm not paying much attention. The next thing I know, Adam Wainwright singing the national anthem. <laughs> and I'm like, right. what's going on? So I flip my computer around. And I'm like, oh, my God, there he is. He's actually singing the national anthem. So I watched that and then finished what I was doing and went back and was peeking back and forth. But, no, it, it yeah, it happened. I mean, we had two people running it, and everybody was kind of peeking up over and seeing what was going on. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, we are going to get – we'll talk about Adam Wayne right here in a second, actually, uh, in kind of our uh, – highlights that we all want to talk about or things that we saw that we want to talk about, uh, give everybody kind of their own, their own floor here. But before that, we're going to, uh, pay some bills here. So hang on one sec here. And we're going to talk about row one brand, which is awesome. I've seen their stuff. So here you go. Let's be honest. You're here because you love sports. We love sports too. And our friends over at row one brand love sports as much as we do. Row One Brand sells sports wall art, sports gift watches, and vintage apparel with ornamental designs created from real game ticket stubs and vintage sports memorabilia in their collection. If you want some vintage Golden State Warriors memorabilia, they have that too. It's a sports collector's dream website for anything sports related. Go over to one, RowOneBrand.com to check out their great inventory. And when you use the promo code DSP15, you'll get 15% off any item on the whole site. That's code DSP15 for 15% off any item on the site. So click on the link below and go check them out. Low Run Brands, America's best vintage sports art, sports gifts. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about that highlight, uh, Edwards. And um, what were your feelings with uh, Mr. Wainwright nursing that hamstring instead of pitching, he goes and sings the national anthem? So, uh, So I actually got to hear a clip about how that happened today. Apparently, because it's a groin issue, by the way. Oh, right. Um, but because of the groin, because so he, cause he, he couldn't start the game on the mound, they wanted him to start the game in another way. So they know he has a band and he does singing on the side locally. So they asked him to sing the national anthem. And apparently he said no right off the bat. And uh, <laughs> the lady called said, hey, I'll give you a little bit of time. You think about it and let me know. So he said, okay. He said about 10 minutes later, after talking to whoever, he called her back and he said, all right, I'll do it. Um, he was the only one who apparently knew outside of the announcer and the people who set it up. Because obviously if you watch the reactions of the players, they're all like <laughs> the players freaking were out freaking about what's going to happen. So um, I thought he did, you know, for a baseball player who just sings for fun on the side, I thought he did a fairly good job. The end, he got a little flat and a little tone deaf. Uh, the last, I don't know four to five lines, but other than that, he did better than I could have done. So more power to him. We love uncle Charlie. <laughs> that was awesome. Did you, did you guys happen to like catch that live or anything? Or did you guys hear it? Like kind of after the fact, <laughs> Brad, go ahead. 
I saw it live. I think he was providing more value to the Cardinals there than by starting opening day. At least he admits it. See, that's why I like Edwards. At least he's realistic. <laughs> I mean, he still would have been fine. I mean, who knows? He, he might have done better than Michael is just yesterday. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, if there if there was one thing I, I wouldn't have uh, you know predicted for my opening day uh, projections, it would be uh, Adam Wainwright singing. But and that that just caught me off guard. I opened up Instagram and it's Adam Wainwright singing <laughs> national anthem. That just made me laugh so hard. I, it really did catch me off guard. But he he, he killed it, man. I'm, I'm not gonna say he did bad. You know, Tom, I, I can you he, do an impression of it? No, never, never. <laughs> never, 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 never. <laughs> oh man. Like it was one of the one of the weirder things, but also kind of one of the cooler things that I saw yesterday. Like I was trying to think back on guys like who would have been able to pull that off? Like the only guy that I could think of was uh, Bronson Arroyo with the Reds. Like he had a band for for a long time uh, when he played. And I'm just like, hey, maybe he's a guy that could have done that. But like that's the that's the first time I ever see or even heard of like a ball players singing the national anthem like i would have to go deep into the archives to see if anybody's done that before but um super cool so let's let's go around the horn a little bit i want to talk about just kind of highlights from the day what were uh what was kind of i'll, I'll give you two give me like you can have the floor give me one highlight that was just your own personal highlight just i thought this was cool or this was something that i noticed or this is a cool call out that i wanted to put out there um, and then give one that's like kind of garnered national attention, like, and, and talk about one of the highlights that, uh, that you kind of saw that you had a reaction to. So we'll kind of go around the horn. Edwards, you, we already kind of talked, gave you one, <laughs> Yeah. So, but, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of go around and, uh, Brad, do you have one, one of either of those, you have the floor to kind of cover any, any highlights that you loved yesterday? Uh, so the first one we'll go is more of a national one is Dylan Seath. Seath looks filthy. And he didn't walk anyone. Didn't walk anyone. And that is huge for him. I was yeah. a big deal. I, I, Tom and I both really like his stuff, but we're both super, especially me. I'm very hesitant about his walks. He led Major League Baseball in walks last year. And that's not a good recipe for success, in all honesty. Um, but yesterday, he dominated the World Series champions. There, I think we touched on it earlier. There are specific things in baseball that are inevitable. A well-placed 98-mile-an-hour fastball followed by a well-placed 80-mile-an-hour curveball is borderline unhittable. <laughs> right. This is true. And for the other one, uh, I'm going to go Dodgers bias here. It's crazy what happens when you let the young kids play. It feels fresh. It feels electric. And Dodger games feel new again. I I can I can get on board with that. Like there was my reaction. Obviously, like I'm not allowed to like the Dodgers, but the <laughs> but hearing about their game and watching it, it was blacked out for me because they were playing the the Diamondbacks. But um, it was one of those things where I'm like, all right, they got they got a little bit more hitch in their giddy up. Like they they definitely play playing with a little bit more of an energy level and. Um, I'll, I'll let you speak and kind of respond to this part. Like I, I keep looking around and like the Dodgers are like taking all these hits. Like nobody's really high on them this year. Like everybody's like, Oh, it's the Padres division now with good reason on, on paper. They look great. But like, 
I just, I don't know. Like I, I still think the Dodgers are the Dodgers and they're going to, they're going to play really, really well. Like, do you have any sort of <laughs> comeback, pushback, whatever you want to call it against everybody saying like, Oh no, the Dodgers aren't what they used to be kind of thing. The Dodgers are the class of the national league in the regular season. I emphasize regular season. <laughs> um, the thing with the Dodgers, right. Is you have these teams that are more so bought the New York Mets to some degree, the New York Yankees. We're going to see how they fare with their rookies this year. The Dodgers go out and they trade for talent. They extend them, but they also grow their talent. And you look at the last part of you look at the last five years, it was all homegrown talent or home fixed talent. Muncie Taylor, Turner, Seager, Kike, Bellinger, all of those guys homegrown or homemade. This is the next crop. It has to start somewhere. And this is when it starts. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I was impressed by them. I'm I'm not gonna lie because I I like the Diamondbacks a lot and their young talent, but like the Dodgers' young talent kind of kind of showed them up <laughs> and uh, def- definitely did well. Um, Stevs, let's go to you. What what was kind of the something that jumped out at you? Uh, kind of a couple things. So for for me, like me specifically, it, it's got to be Anthony Volpe. Like he looked really good. Um, didn't didn't get a knock, but in his first at bat, he came out swinging and then kind of slowed his approach back to what it normally is and kind of let took four straight balls and got on base. Went out, stole a bag. Like he he looks like he's gonna be the real deal. Um, and even before opening day, he had the again that in the exhibition game against the Nats, he had the that diving play up the middle against C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as um, kind of like the national attention, it's kind of it, it's going to go back to the Angels, kind of like twice over here. That that uh, Hunter Renfro fro play was was absolutely uh, incredible. Not the best uh, mechanically, but uh, he <laughs> went out and he he stuck his glove out and got it. Um, and then Anthony Rendon and, and Shohei Otani. So I'm going to go with Otani first. I mean, 10 Ks and you still end up losing the game, like. I mean, it, it sucks. And then Rendon with uh after the game, he's gonna he's gonna be yeah. in a little bit of trouble for that. Yeah, that that was a, a weird interaction. Like I'm I'm curious to see uh, the like the last time I checked, there wasn't a whole lot of information on what went down. Um and so I'm interested to see kind of what comes out with that, uh what kind of happens. Like I'm like, how do you not have like security closer by which shout out to dodgers security for the monster hit they put on a guy but uh (laughs) (laughs) sign that that man to a contract right dude i i i have watched that clip probably 20 times today like it was just it was, <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. Like, I don't the have. The proposal like, was successful. They posted about it. The, I was going to say, yes. did that, oh, does anybody, that's what I was going to ask. Does anybody know if she said yes, uh, yes, if he got that message from jail or whatever? He was? <laughs> well, she better have said yes after the hit he took Dude. and the risk he took. Right? Oh, she my gosh. Yes. But, like, how do you not have, but back to the Angels, like, how do you not have security right down that tunnel? Like, I was, it was kind of weird, like, how that even. How does that even take place? Well, right? I mean, like, you got to take into account it is the athletics, so it's not very surprising. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I mean, I, I do want to know. I'm not going to make any judgments one way or the other. Um, but if if Rendon made contact with that swing he made, he'd be in a lot more trouble. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird it's a weird 
context. So I'm, I'm interested to see the whole story. Like, yeah, there's, there's two, three, four sides <laughs> to every story. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see kind of what comes of that, um, that interaction. And I, I usually, I tend to side on the side of the player with, with some of the, like buying a ticket does not uh, give you the right to say whatever you want to, to an athlete. So um, I am, I'm definitely in that camp. Uh, yes. Trash talking is great. Don't get me wrong, but there, there are some lines and there are some, uh, some things you just don't say some things that you just don't um, uh, point towards, towards athletes or anyone for that matter. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what, what comes out of that interaction and yeah, what kind of discipline, if any, he gets, uh, things of that nature. I do feel like Rendon is just watching him in spring training too. I like, I got a chance to see him live a couple times. He seems wound a little tight. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like I, I I'm wondering if he's feeling the pressure a little bit to, to kind of live up to that contract after being hurts for so long. Well, I, I mean, we, I mean, we watched him play on the Nats for the the first part of his career, and and he really does not, he doesn't like to show emotion. Like he got tossed from a game for flipping his bat and not even looking at the umpire. Yeah, I remember that. And and so he does not, he does not show emotion. So for that to kind of happen, like he he must, the guy he must have heard something. It might not have been that guy, but someone must have said something to set him off. On top of yeah, he's probably he hasn't been playing for the last three years and. I think I think it, it is kind of getting to him because he does love to play baseball. It's what he is out there to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that that whole situation will be interesting. So, Tom, let's go over to you. What are what are a couple things that you noticed on on opening day that you that stuck out to you highlight wise? This is kind of a specific category, but there's two NL Central leadoff batters that I wanted to talk about. First being, um, you know, Edwards' uh, Brennan Donovan, who had a, a very good day yesterday. I mean, his his exit velocities looked crazy. I mean, he he went what three for six with a home run. Um, I pulled up his exit velocity on the three hits that he had. The average was 109 miles an hour off the bat. I mean, that's just something you don't really see from. I, I didn't think he was a solid contact guy. I thought he was more of a you know on base type of guy, maybe a soft contact guy. But you know, he is displayed you know some power yesterday. I mean, it's an overreaction, you know, first day, but he could be the guy. Another thump bat in this lineup full of thump bats already, <laughs> right? Um, if, and then if they do more thumping, it'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> is pretty good. Yeah. And then the other one is, um, O'Neill Cruz who, you know, for the first time ever, I think had a multi-walk game. You don't see that from him very often. <laughs> and he also hit a home run. He is a free swinger. Um, you know, maybe that's the development we're looking for, you know, not swinging and missing. He didn't strike out yesterday, walked twice and hit a home run. And yeah. if he can do that more often, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the hype that he's getting, uh, the hype yeah. that he deserves. Um, and the last one I want to talk about is the highlight of my night. And that was um, watching Max Muncy go 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. As a Giants fan, <laughs> that just put a smile on my face. He so walked. Gonna, he, no, he didn't. He didn't walk. He didn't walk. Oh, he, he didn't went 0 for 5. Uh, yeah, he went 0 uh, for 5. Did you guys win? No. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was coming. I knew that hey. was coming. Yeah. Hey, we can still pull two out of three in New York. It'll be, yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, we got it. We're coming back with uh, who? Sean Manaya, yep. Ross Stripling. Uh, it'll sold. be it'll be Alex Cobb and uh, Ross Stripling. I'm sold. Oh, I'm and, sold. and Mitch Hanniger's going to contribute. Oh wait, uh, he will I'm eventually. He will eventually. One, yeah, I'm the number one Max Muncy hater on the planet. As a Giants fan, I feel like you have to dislike Max Muncy, and you know, go get out of the ocean. Night. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. That's just, ah, man, utter hatred for this guy. Um, but yeah, that, that was my notes from the day. I mean, the only other one was that this Giants offense just does not, you know, inflict any fear in me. You know, no, as, as, a, as an opposing pitcher, I would not be scared to face this lineup at the moment. Um, I do think Mitch Hanager is going to make a slight difference, maybe provide some thump in the lineup. But right now it is not looking very good. Yeah, when when you got uh, the guys that they got batting three and four, like it's it's a little rough. But um, yeah, so Ed, Edwards, did you have another one? Uh, obviously the Adam Wainwright one, but did, did anything else jump out at you yesterday highlight-wise? Um, from a regional point of view, uh, to see Jordan Walker handle a little bit of uh, adversity. Um, he misplayed, misplayed a ball. And when it hit the wall and cost a run, and then he overthrew at the cutoff man and let another run score later in the game. Uh, he did have his first hit in RBI. Uh, so it's growing pains for a, for a young man who grew up playing third and is converting to the outfield because of his bat. Uh, but, I mean, he seemed pretty positive throughout the day. Didn't hang his head when things didn't go his way. Uh so that's something exciting to look at on the national scale. It just felt to me like there was a ton of scoring, which there was. And, and that was the one thing that I really paid the most attention to. Do you, are you a guy Edwards? Like, do you, do you like scoring or are you a big, or are you more of a fan say of like, like pitcher pitching duels? Like usually you look at the, the lineup or the matchups for opening day. That's what usually excites me is the, the, the pitching matchups, right? Like you're guaranteed aces, like every right for every matchup. I mean, you don't necessarily get that guarantee for every matchup during the season. And so that's part of the reason why I love opening day, but it, like I didn't find myself like disappointed by the lack of pitching duels uh, yesterday. It, it was just like, yeah, a lot of fun. I think the lot of runs being scored and the way the games were yesterday. There we go. Because it's a change, because it's different, it worked. Um, let's see how much I like it come the middle of summer. <laughs> because I do <laughs> sure. enjoy a great defensive game. I enjoy a pitcher's duel. Do I enjoy the occasional you know, 15 runs scored between two teams? Yeah. But it's all within reason of each other. Um, the the more it becomes more often high scoring across the board. I don't know how I feel about that. My, my presumption is that I will initially not like it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's opening day too. So like, I don't know why I'm surprised. Like pitchers still aren't stretched out all the way and, and whatnot. And so guys aren't going to be as dominant as they can be for the most part. There were exceptions yesterday. There were guys that oh. dominated yesterday. There were guys that, it definitely pitched well, but what's up, Edwards? What do you got? Something I did notice on a national scale when I was looking over the fantasy uh, baseball stats for pitchers, it seemed like a ton of starting pitchers didn't even make it to the fifth inning. Oh, interesting. I'd have to, oh man, I'd have to like go through the games and look at that again. I mean, of course, some made five, six, seven, whatever. Uh, but it was a ton of pitchers that didn't even make it to the fifth inning. And I was like, they're not stretched out. Like that was the one thing I thought of was they're not stretched out. They're not ready to go. And pitch counts just got high quick. Cause I think both starting pitchers in the Cardinals Toronto game were out before the fourth. 
I think they both it. went a third, at, well, three and a third. That's interesting. There was 19 pitchers who went at least five innings. Okay, so what is that then? 11 that wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there is Blake Snell, Zach Gallon, and Mitch Keller all pitched in the fifth inning, but didn't complete it. And you also had Max Freed go down. With yeah, Freed. Freed. Yeah, Freed and then the game, game which yeah. is hard. That's a fair point. Pitch count. Like uh, if, if we look at the pitch counts, maybe it's not innings, but maybe it's like, like Edward said, like their pitch counts seem to be really high, really quick. Yeah. I think both pitchers in the St. Louis Toronto game were at 60 plus pitches by the time they got done with the third. Yeah. It, so. That'll be interesting to see kind of how this season goes with, uh, I'm interested to see how bullpens operate the this season as a whole just for for every team like it just seems like um there's going to be have to be a lot more um i don't know i don't have any stats to back this up it was just a feeling going into this weird season we were talking about how weird this season could be and it seems like there's gonna be more i don't know if pressure is the right word but expectation maybe uh put on starting pitchers to like hey let's Let's stretch this out a little bit. Let's not use our bullpens as much as maybe we saw last year and years past. Um, that's just a hunch. Just that, That's just my gut. I don't have any statistics to back that up or anything. But um, So I will say a couple of the things that, that kind of jumped out at me was, uh, yeah, what, what you were talking about Stevs with the, with the angels. Like I was watching that game. They're my hometown team. They're who I grew up watching a lot of. Um, and so I still kind of follow them and just the amount of, um, angst, I guess we're going to be feeling with Otani this entire season. Um, just because it does seem like we were talking about before the show started, right? Like, there does seem to be like every game. Oh, Mike Trout did this and Otani did this and the angels lost nine to eight. Like it's, they're just, their bullpen's terrible. Like, well, well that is, was kind of a given going into the season, but their, their starting pitching pitching isn't bad. I did have them pick them to make the playoffs, but um, it does seem like, oh my gosh, what is going to have, um, how is this season going to affect Otani basically like, yes, he could be in the MVP running Cy Young running all that still again, always. Uh, but how is this season going to affect him uh, moving forward? Like, does he stay with the angels? Does he go somewhere else? Does he, I mean, does he get so frustrated that he just falls off a cliff production wise? I don't think that'll happen, but like just how, how does this season affect Otani is, is really, really interesting to me and, and kind of an interesting, cause it does seem like he has a little bit more um, like trout had, had a chance to leave, right? He, he, he had a chance to leave the angels and didn't. And Otani's got that chance. Does he, does he do the same thing or does he go somewhere else is, is kind of an interesting uh, storyline for me this year. Good, I think I think for Otani, I think he's going. I I I see no way unless they offer unless the Angels offer him like five hundred million that he doesn't go out and at least test free agency and see what's out there, right? Um, I think he's not the type of person that would. I mean, again, I don't know the guy, so like take this as it will. But um, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to give up on the team no matter how bad they're playing. Um, 
And to back to the bullpen, we I think we had kind of agreed they weren't. I mean, they're not the best bullpen in the league, but they weren't like the worst in the world. Uh, they could really use a, a Rysel Iglesias right now if only they uh, had yeah. him or you know didn't trade him last season. But <laughs> um, if they if they had him, that would be very very beneficial to their 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 roster, and I think that would boost them a lot and boost that bullpen a lot. I feel like even if they go on a run, you know, a playoff run that makes Shohei want to stay, that's not even the problem. I think it's the problem of the owner not wanting to even pay Shohei. I don't think I don't think the GM or the owner is going to want to spend that much money. They, I mean, even if he wants to come back, it's gonna, it's gonna, yeah. And and like out of your fucking mind saying it's going to be the Mets and the Dodgers fighting for Otani. There's a reason the Dodgers didn't spend that much money in the offseason. It's because they're getting ready for this next one. I'm telling you, Brad, it's inevitable. Unfortunate. <laughs> I hate it. I, I think yeah. you're completely correct. I think I would with sorry. Go, no, you know, go ahead, Steph. Brad, you got it. Oh, um, the thing with Shohei Otani, right? He's a unicorn. He's one of a kind. There's that value to him. I told the narrative when we did our MVP that the Angels are somehow in contention at the trade deadline. They fail to trade Shohei Otani, and they flounder. Mike Trout gets hurt. Shohei Otani wins by default. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the story I told for the AL MVP award. But it's the Angels don't know what's best for them. Obviously, you have the marketing value of Shohei Otani. But the two the two things are you're either going to get a boatload of prospects and half a season of Shohei Otani and the rights to privately negotiate with him, or the Angels are going to get a draft pick, right? And I don't trust their player development in their pat in the past five years obviously you have Shohei Otani, who was an international star mike trout was supposed to be an international star when he was drafted there were steroid allegations surrounding him which dropped him to the 25th pick or whatever he was picked at i i think the angels lose the sohei situation unless they resign him they could trade him and i don't think they develop those prospects they could offer him the qualifying offer and fail to resign him and I don't know if they succeed with the draft pick or they resign him and they keep the profit that is Shohei Otani. Yeah, I I feel like it's been their prerogative for the last 10 years. Like what what do we do? What's what's best for us? What do we what what are we deciding to to go after or be or what's our identity or like it's just it's just weird. So um I will say um my, I don't want to get too off the rails here, but one of the, one of the storylines that stuck out to me just because it's a personal thing for me. So sorry if it goes a little bit dark here for a second, but, um, was, was the Daniel Bard, uh, storyline, uh, that came out of him saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking some time. I'm, I'm going on the DL or on the IL because of, uh, anxiety and, and, uh, issues that I'm having. And, um, that was, uh, super interesting to me. I'm looking more into that story because I'm I'm curious about it. But that's something that's personal to me. That's something that I uh, struggle with and uh, have struggled with multiple points in my life. And so it's it's interesting to see the dichotomy of what is what is anxiety that this guy needs to go get help on, and what is uh, what we all like to call the yips, right? Like you just kind of you get afraid in certain moments or or whatever. Um, and I do think there's a distinction. I do think that there's a difference, uh, between the two. Um, do you guys feel like, um, I know it's a lot of 
speculation or and whatnot and i it's just it's fascinating to me because i'm i'm fascinated by the mental side of the game and the mental effect that the game has on players and so and it's something that i struggle with personally and so i'm fascinated by how other people deal with it and so um tom you you can go first uh what what was kind of your reaction to that story and kind of because for me i'm like oh my gosh did this start like in the wbc is that why he got lit up in in the wbc was it before that was that the cause of it was like or was that the trigger point all these questions come to mind so like what what have you noticed in this storyline tom that that has kind of stuck out to you I mean, I'm someone who's also dealt with some some pretty bad anxiety in my past. But I, I think Daniel Bard, I, I'm not sure. I've read up on him a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he's been someone that struggled with anxiety his whole career, not just this last season. Yeah. Um, And I do think the World Baseball Classic, not necessarily is where it originated, but I think it definitely made things worse for him. And the yips is, is definitely um, probably amplified by the fact that he's a closer probably the most the highest anxiety inducing position in the game you know coming in in high stakes positions like that i don't know i don't know if you know the i think the time off will help him um but i'm glad he's being transparent about it and not you know hiding it from the public i'm glad that he's being transparent and showing what what he's going through um for for me right um i I want uh, by my end goal in, in life is to be a, a, a organization's team psychologist, right? So like, nice. I, I love I love the mental aspect of the game. I've always I've always worked through it um, with myself, with my teammates. Um, when I coach, I try and help kids that way and stuff like that. Um, so it the mental aspect of the game is very important. And for a for for a man uh, of Daniel Bard's caliber, right? takes a very 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 strong man to to come out and not only do what he did but announce it right like he could have yeah. just like gone on the il if for like unspecified reasons or whatever um but no he he came out and he was like it's, it's anxiety related i i'm i'm not i'm not doing good right so it, that is incredible to see um and i i don't know where it originated from um tom said uh that he had dealt with in the past i think what he had, I think for like six seasons, he had like really, really bad anxiety and it kind of wasn't, and it kind of stunted his development a little bit. So sure. he, he's dealt with this for, for a long time. And, and I, I really hope he can, he can go out and um, kind of aid and, and find a way to, to work through this. Cause it, it, he needs to be out there on the field. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating when something like that that you can't necessarily control messes with something that you love to do. So um, that it's it's just an interesting story. I'm interested to see kind of how it plays out and how he uh, is able to to get help. And yeah, I'm I'm with you both. That uh, it's great that he's being open and candid about it. I think there are a lot of players out there that have been open and candid about mental health more often uh in whether it's nba nfl like guys that are i've seen a lot of guys be open and honest about it after the fact um but for to have somebody like bard who's jumping into it and and being like no i am going through this now like this is something that uh i'm i'm working through now and it's not uh, after the after the fact at all, I actually know who Bearded Otter is, by the way. Uh, as, just he's a, a mental health health therapist. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. So, uh, but he works with anxiety a lot. Can cripple, mess with thoughts. Good for him to own it and get help. So yeah, um, 
any other thoughts, Edwards, Brad, uh, kind of on the on the Daniel Bard situation there? I, my my thoughts are a bit more reserved. Like this is a very bad issue. Like it's at, athletes; they they are people too. They struggle with mental issues, but I find it our duty as a media, as a public, not to read too far into these people's private life situations. Sure. Um, clearly, they're struggling through something. And we wish him our best, but I don't think the spotlight he, I, again, I'm not qualified to say this, but I don't think the spotlight you want as someone dealing with this is someone asking you a thousand questions about sure. what's going on. I think the fact he's owned up to it, it's great. I'm glad he's seeing help and I wish him the best, but I think that's where it should be left at. I, I do like that line. I, I like that take, Brad. That's a good take. Any, any thoughts, Edwards, on that? I, I have the same view as Brad. I mean, <clears throat> dude came out and needs to get some help. Cool. Go get your help. Let the man do what he needs to do so he can get back to doing his job and get back to uh, a more stable feel of life, whatever that means for him. Uh, so I just, yeah, when somebody's going to come out and they're fighting through something, uh, just let them fight through it. Don't Don't make it harder on them. I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's really all you got to say about it, right? Um, you're good. Um, I think really that's all you got to say. I mean, he's he's got he's got to work through this, and he, he has the support systems around him to to work through it. All right, so let's let's flip it. Let's go back to positive. What was uh, what was something in opening day that uh, I mean we've we've touched on a lot. There there might be some overlap here, but uh, to kind of close it out here. Uh, leading leading into the season, I mean, we've got day two now going, a uh, few games going live right now. What's something that you saw on opening day that is now like, oh man, I can't wait to see this over the season? Like, is there anything that you saw opening day that triggered some excitement for the rest of the season? Tom or Brad, it looks like you got excited right away. So, what's yours? James Outman. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Edwards, pay attention for your Dodgers here. All right. Like what? Okay. What? Why out, man? Like I, I was, I was happy for him that he made the team. So like what? Take us through, through that kind of thinking there. I'm going to say the PG version of this person's name. Cody Bellinger has been the center fielder for the past two seasons and he's played defense. That is all he has done. We've had James <laughs> Outman who has been lighting it up in the minor leagues. I trust the Dodgers development and he's come up with a professional approach. He can see changeups like starting in the middle zone. Zach Allen has a pretty quality change. It's got a 110 stuff plus starts it down the middle of the plate and Outman can spit on it. Change up down the middle drops out of the zone. Outman spitting on it. You look at these Rick at the rookies and they have professional eyes. And that's something you can't teach. You develop it. And that's what the Dodgers have done. James Outman has succeeded at that. He has a walk tool. He can hit the ball hard. He's a plus center fielder. So you're already getting the Bellinger replacement in terms of defense. Obviously, small sample size and major league contact. We're going to see how that translates. It's obviously huge things with rookie defenders. But if the arm is there and the hit tool is there, you've got an upgrade from Cody Bellinger that's just been sitting in your farm system for a season. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how how he takes off. I mean, rookie of the year candidate, maybe. Uh, we'll we'll see. Stevs, what you got? 
All right, so I want to talk about my Nats, um, but I also kind of want to talk about the Mariners. The Mariners looked really good yesterday against the Guardians. Um, it was kind of a pitcher's duel, and, and Ty France kind of kind of was he was the only real scoring, right? Um, so that was kind of that was that that's kind of the West Coast kind of. Um, they're gonna kind of be my West Coast team that I try and follow a little more because um, kind of pick a, a East, a Central, and a West each season. I think the Mariners gonna be my West one. Okay. Um, haven't picked a Central yet. Probably gonna be the Cubs because my dad's a Cubs fan. So there you go. Uh, that's, normally, <laughs> that's that's normally where I go with that. Um, but for my Nats, I, it's gotta be um, it's it's gotta be uh, Dom Smith. He he looked really good yesterday. He went mm-hmm. two for three. Um. I mean, he got the party started. He was really, really a driving force behind our offense yesterday. And in all honesty, if if uh, if uh, CJ Abrams doesn't make those two errors, the game's very, very, very different. Um, but again, he's a, he's a young kid. He's gonna make he's gonna make errors, right? Like Ian Desmond when he was coming up, he was he made all sorts of errors, and he he ended up being a pretty good uh, shortstop for us for four seasons, and then he went out and played really well in Texas out in the outfield. So. I mean, it's going to take time. The kid's 22. He, he has his whole career in front of him. Go ahead, Tom. Um, so, I mean, there's really not much to talk about with uh, regarding the Giants. But, I mean, Tyro Estrada did have a, a decent revenge game against the Yankees, his former team that did not have enough faith in him. But I really wanted to talk about Luis Castillo and Shane Bieber. I thought that was probably one of the best, like, matchups of the night. Um, I'm really high on Luis Castillo. Um, I think he's going to be a top, top five, maybe at at its best, maybe, but I think he's going to be in that conversation for Cy Young this year. Um, and it really paired well. What did surprise me is that he was rolling through six innings. I mean, absolutely rolling one hit through six innings, six strikeouts, no walks. And he gets pulled with 76 pitches and Bieber gets pulled with 87 pitches. I I think we're kind of entering a new age here. I think pitching itself is becoming more dangerous. I think a lot there's been significantly more injuries every every season and i think maybe the new approach is you know six innings you're done or maybe you know you reach a certain pitch count and and maybe they're starting to figure out that this will reduce the risk of injury um but i really do like luis, luis castillo uh yeah I, I like that a lot mine is that uh the padres got spanked and they are losing again tonight the score is 4 to 0 rockies beating the padres right now and like that makes me excited. Can the Padres be an absolute train wreck this year? Oh, like it. I would absolutely, that makes me excited. Like because of all the hype, all the so great on paper and all these, like it would be like, I, I love chaos. I don't wish ill on anyone, but I do love chaos. And so I think uh, the Padre, the Padres being an absolute train wreck, would be just absolute chaos in the National League. And I am loving that. I don't think the Rockies are going to keep this up, obviously. But <laughs> but on the Padres side of things, this this makes me excited. That Again, total overreaction, opening day. But uh, I would love to see the Padres be an absolute train wreck this year. Like, more so than the Mets. Like, the Mets went out and spent a bazillion dollars. But it's an owner who's a fan, and he's doing right by his team and his fan base. I don't care. Like the Padres, I don't like the Padres, so I'm just like, I I, I want to see I want to see the train wreck that is that is the Padres. So, um, Ed Edwards, anything that you that you got that you saw from from day one and a half now uh, that uh, you're just like, oh, this makes me excited for the year. More stolen bases. 
Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of been on the on board with the fact that we're going to see more stolen bases. And when I said more, I didn't mean a little bit more. I meant a lot more with the bigger bases, with the pitch clock, with the limiting, how many times a, a pitcher can pick off a player, uh, the ability to time a pitcher's movement and, and, and wind up. Well, not wind up, but you know what I mean, from the stretch. Um, <laughs> it was a lot more than even I anticipated. So that makes me excited. You know, we may see somebody with 100 steals this season. I think probably more like 60, but if some yeah, young fast kid comes bold. out here, hey, we've seen 100 before. At least I have. Well, Trey Turner heard about it. 100 before. Trey would be one of them I would think could. Um, and there's a few other guys out there who are fast as all get out. But you got to be on the right team for that too. So, yeah, I'm just excited for more steals, more, you know, small ball. I'm, I'm really hoping there's more small ball. It does feel like there's a lot more movement in the game. That's for sure. So I, I love it. All right. We're, we're coming up on our time. Let's, let's send it around the horn again. The, this is four a podcast. You guys can uh, subscribe to them on YouTube. They are awesome. Uh, Tom Stevs, Brad, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Let's go around the horn. Anything else you guys want to touch on or talk about your show or whatever you want to do? Uh, well, I'll send it around. I'll start with Brad there. Yeah. So if you want to look at YouTube for us, that's where we're going to have all of our video content. Uh, if you basically, if you want face cam, uh, we're available anywhere you get your podcast for a baseball and we haven't fully discussed our, uh, season format. We're hopping Tuesdays and Fridays back to our normal, you know, pre the chaos of trying to preview every team schedule. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we're going to – something similar to this. We're going to talk about the games. We're going to break down what we like, what we don't like, and talk about players. Obviously, that's kind of an important part of baseball. Uh, but we're, we're going to break it down. We're a bit more analytical. Tom and I, you know, a bit more analytical. Stevs gets you the best fan perspective, the best casual span pers- fan perspective there is. And we're going to talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, and we're going to make hot takes, and we're going to cook on the Giants because they suck. <laughs> that's a good that's a good transition to me um i'm excited i'm excited to watch the dodgers um maybe win less than 90 games this season i'm really i'm really hoping that happens um other than that i really i mean i woke up yesterday i'm like oh my gosh it's baseball day and it's baseball yes. day for a long time now and it makes me happy that's all i really got to say i mean i'm happy to be watching baseball i got the scores up next to me and after this after this podcast i'm going to be watching baseball for a while it's yes. a great time same love it um I mean, for me, I'm 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 just ready to watch the Nats lose a hundred games, and let's hope for a good draft pick. Um, I mean, I, I'm excited to watch baseball again. I mean, I think Tom 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 pretty much covered it. I mean, I I literally I've had the I've had the Guardians Mariners game on, um, and I've been I've been peeking at it. Um, it's currently three three, so that's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch how this the rest of this game pans out. But um, and as far as your Padres take, you want to see them kind of fail. I think Brad, both Brad and I can kind of agree with you on that. Um, I want the, <laughs> I, I need, I need the Padres to fail until Juan Soto's contract is up, whether he extends or not until his contract's up. I need the Padres to fail. Make you feel better about giving them up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Totally get it. Uh, Edwards, you got any last, uh, parting, uh, words of wisdom for us this week? I can't hear him. Can you guys hear him? I cannot hear him. 
Okay. <laughs> we can't hear you, Edwards. <laughs> I'm sure it was super, <laughs> super wise. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, so, all right, we'll, uh, we'll close it out. Um, the, you can catch, we're actually changing our schedule. So seventh inning stretch, you can now catch on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we're not going to be on Fridays anymore. Um, but so check us out on Mondays and Thursdays, uh, for pretty much just general baseball, a little bit, a uh, little bit different flavor than what you guys are bringing. I love listening to you guys. Cause you guys do things differently than us. I absolutely love that, uh, with how deep you guys go into, uh, player statistics and, and looking at them and, and, uh, kind of getting deeper into the numbers there. Absolutely love it. Uh, you guys can listen to Edwards and I more, uh, kind of. 30,000 foot view type things and uh, a little bit of uh, older fans perspectives. Uh, no offense, Edwards. We we're older than these guys. Um, I'm owning it. Um, but the, uh, you can listen to seventh inning stretch um, Edwards. You can listen to on birds at Bush as well on Wednesdays. You can hear me on Saturdays for the facing the giants podcast, all of the uh, giants info that you uh, want to listen to. And so that's fr that's Saturday morning. I'm pulling double duty. I'm doing this show. And then first thing tomorrow morning, seven Pacific, I'm doing giants. So uh, just, I'm going to go to bed now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fall asleep to some baseball, but uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, those of you listening, commenting, interacting, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we didn't do uh, the, our, our traditional three strikes and we're out this week. We're, we're putting that on, on the shelf for this week, but uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Go check out the four a podcast. Like I said, we will see you guys on Monday. Oh, come on.